praise God. I want to talk to you tonight about, are you fully persuaded? And I'll get into that and explain a little further later on. But that is the topic, are you fully persuaded? Turn to uh, Mark 5, 21. I'm going to let God tell the story tonight because I'm, I'm using nothing but scripture tonight and hopefully they'll be in where they all make sense, they, they will all intertwine one another, and, and we'll come out of here happy campers tonight. Amen. Does God have a sense of humor sending me to you tonight? Uh, huh? is, is God funny or what? He's still using jackasses, let me tell you. And I'll, I'll, and I'll say amen to that myself. God's got a great, great sense of humor. You know, I, I, once, shared over at, I once shared over at CBN, I told this story before, but it just makes me laugh every time I tell it. And I shared th that, uh, that one day in chapel. And Pat Robinson came walking through the doors. And I said, oh, my God, of all people that come walking in, you know, like it was God coming through the doors. And here I am talking. And I'm stumbling. And I finished the, 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 uh, the, the sharing. And, and the, next, the next day I go in, and, and a guy's speaking. He says, you know what? Yesterday there was a guy here who shared the word of God. And I said, if that man could share the word of God, I certainly can share the word of God. So, so I want to encourage you tonight that if I can do it, by golly, you can do it. Amen? Amen. Mark 5, 25. A woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years, familiar story to you, all right? And she had endured much at the hands of many physicians, and she spent every nickel, I'm putting New York style on this now, she spent every nickel that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, what do you think she heard about Jesus? You know, they didn't have computers back then. They didn't have, uh, have uh, telegrams or uh, telephones or anything. But they had women. <laughs> Praise God for women. Amen. And the word was out about Jesus. And evidently, this woman heard what Jesus was doing. And after hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought... She had a thought, for she thought, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I will get well. I will get well. Not I might get well. She said, I will get well. Was this woman fully persuaded? Okay. Immediately, the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of, of her affliction. And immediately, Jesus perceiving in himself that power, not faith, but power, proceeded from him and had gone forth and turned around in the crowd and said, who in the world touched me? And the disciples said, you've got to be kidding me, man. There's hundreds of people here. They're all reaching out and touching you. And the disciples said to him, you see the crowd passing in on you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. You realize this woman was on pure. She had an issue of blood. And it was against Jewish law for her to touch a holy man. She could have been stoned to death. So that's why I guess she was fearing and trembling, telling the story to Jesus. But she just had to come forth and share what, what our Lord had done in her life. And Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith, not my faith, 
your faith has made you well. He said, I want you to go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Amen? Amen. That is so powerful. Daughter, your faith. What was her faith relying upon? Was relying upon Jesus. Her faith was in Jesus. You know, sometimes we, we try to have faith in our faith. You know, I used to think, well, the more I hear faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God, so the more I hear, the greater my faith will be. But you know what? I've been walking with the Lord a long time. And a little, my little granddaughter could have more faith than I in a heartbeat because she just simply trusts. And me, I'm analytical. I'm figuring out how's, how's God going to do this? No way could he do this. Or He didn't do it the last time. I, maybe he won't do it this time. Whereas that child... That's why it says, unless you become as a little child, you shall not enter the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Turn to uh, Mark 11, 11. Look down the page a couple of times. Mark 11, 11. Pastor spoke about this a little bit. I'll get to it in a second. Mark, uh, Mark 11, 11. And Jesus, Jesus entered Jerusalem, and he came into a temple. And after looking around at everything, he left he left for Bethany with his 12, since it was already late. And on the next day, when they had left Bethany, he, came, he became hungry. And seeing at a distance a fig tree in leaf. Now, he saw this fig tree in leaf, okay? And he wanted to see if perhaps. Now, that word perhaps tells me there was a possibility of fruit being there, right? Perhaps. Perhaps there'll be something there. It wasn't... He knew there wouldn't be anything there. He said perhaps he would, find, he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For it was not the season for figs. It hadn't yet developed to that point where there was fruit. But there was a possibility that there could have been because the leaves were green. And he said to it, and who did he say to it? Who was it? He said to the tree, may no one eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. I can only imagine what they were thinking. What in the world is this guy doing now? He's talking to trees. He's cursing them. He's telling them not to die. So on the next day in verse 19, go down to verse 19, and when evening had come, they would go out of the city. And as they passed by in the morning, they saw that fig tree withered from the root up. And being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Amen? i got to stop here for a second because God put me onto something just recently. You know, Jesus never did anything that it, it wasn't the Father's will for him to do. Amen? He says, I always do those things that are pleasing to the Father. He says, I always do those things that I hear the Father telling me to do, and I always say those things that the Father wants me to tell you. So that tells me when Jesus cursed that tree, who in reality cursed that tree? The Father. The Father was telling him to do that. Why? Maybe for a teaching lesson. I don't know. But that's what the Father told him to do. And he said, have faith in God, Jesus said to them. But truly, truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, now a mountain in the Bible could represent a problem. Anything that's insurmountable that you just can't seem to get over. It could be drugs, it could be fear, it could be anger, it could be resentment, it could be anything. It could be drugs, anything. It's a mountain. And he says, truly I say to you, whoever says to that mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his mind, 
No, it doesn't say in his mind. What does it say there? In his heart. What's the difference between the mind and the heart? About 18 inches. Here's my mind, and here's my heart. That's about 18 inches. Now, you know where I'm coming from. This thing is very flaky. This thing can change in a heartbeat, okay? But out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaketh. So whatever gets down in here is what you truly believe, okay? He says, but, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. So it will be granted. After you say it, it will be granted. It doesn't say it's already been granted. The process has been started. Believe that it has been started. In other words, you've taken the medicine. That's going to cure you. You've started the, the procedure, right? And now it may take some time for that medicine to kick in until you finally receive your healing. Therefore, he says in verse 24, Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, I want you to believe that you have received them, and then they will be granted. Wait a minute now. There's time elapsed there, is there not? You track it with me here? You're looking at the words here. It's very important to look at the words. Let me read it again. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, you're to believe that you have received them. Okay? You have received them. And they will be granted you. Is that in the future? It is in the future. So the process has been started. Like if you've gone to a doctor and the doctor said, I have a cure for what you, you have. I've cured that many, many times through this medicine. I want you to take this medicine, and I want you to take it for 10 days. I want you to take two, two tablets a day, and I guarantee you at the end of 10 days, you'll be fine. Okay, so I take the first, two, the first day, I take two pills. I've started the procedure. Am I not right? The healing process has been started. Now, that come the second day, the third day, and the fourth day, am I going to say, hey, I'm not healed yet. What's going on here? What did the doctor tell me? He said, take it for 10 days, and you'll be fine. So I shouldn't worry about anything until 10 days. You know, there's a scripture that says, the promises of God come by faith and patience. When you lack patience, you're saying, hey, I want it, and I want it now, God. What's up with this? I don't want to have to wait. That's, that's a spoiled child that says that. We've got to just sit tight and see the, uh, the salvation of our Lord. Amen? Verse 25 says, And whenever you stand praying, you're to forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your heavenly Father, who is in heaven, will also forgive you your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, listen to this. This is, this is, a, this is huge. God's got no sense of humor when it comes to unbelief or, or unforgiveness. He says, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive you your transgressions. So we wonder sometimes why we don't receive things. God's work is done. He completed his work at Calvary. All the promises are, are yea and amen. Is that not right? So if you're not receiving a promise of God, where does the problem lie, do you think, with yourself? It doesn't lie with God. God's not a man that he would lie. If he's promised you something, you can stake your life on it. The problem lies with us. Amen? Turn to uh, 1 John 3.21. 1 John 3.21 says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, 
And that word heart means conscience. If your conscience does not condemn you. Who here has, you know, I, I ask, I'm not going to ask anybody here, but in jail I only asked this this past weekend. I said, who here is dealing with shame and guilt in their life? And you know, Ben, the hands just flew right on up. I said, have you asked for forgiveness in those areas? They said, oh yeah. I said, well then why are you holding on to that shame and that guilt? It's under the blood of Jesus Christ. You've been forgiven. How can you believe God to give you something when you know you're not in right relationship with God? See, that's the enemy. The enemy wants to do that. He wants to put a trip on you. If you've confessed your sins, it says he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Amen? So if you've asked forgiveness, in the area of, of unforgiveness, not only do you have to ask God to forgive you for that, but then you have to go to that person and ask them also. And that's not so much for yourself that you're doing that. That's going to bless the person you're going to. They're going to say, oh my gosh, I can't believe they, they, they did that. They came to me and asked me to forgive them. And maybe that might be the only way that those folks will ever come into the kingdom of God because of you humbling yourself. So it says, beloved, if, if your heart does not condemn you, condemn us, we have confidence before God. So if your heart condemns you, if you have guilt and shame, you're under condemnation. You put yourself under condemnation and you're going to have a problem receiving from God. That's what it says. And whatever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Wow. Do you always keep his commandments? I don't mean the Ten Commandments. I mean the commandments that he's telling you to do daily. You realize we have God in us. Do you understand that? Christ in you, the hope of glory. I tell you what, I would almost like to switch my message to talk about being Christ in you because God is just dealing with me in that area big time. But I know God will give me another opportunity to share that. But we have God incarnate in us. And he says, and, and this, and, oh, I, I finished that one. All right, turn to uh, James 1, the book of James. James 1, 5. He says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, does any of you lack wisdom? <laughs> well, that's a good thing because we have somebody we can go to and get the answer for our problem. We can go to the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. You can't go to a better person. But if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything of the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. If you doubt that you're going to receive from God, you're basically saying, God, I don't know if I can trust you. Doubting God is, man, you're, you're, in, you're, you're on tender ground when you, when you doubt God. You know, he, you've got to just trust it says to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Does it not say that in Proverbs 3, 5 through 7? It says we're to trust in the Lord with all our mind, no, all our heart, and lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Amen? Amen. Last script, no, not last scripture, Romans 4, 21. You thought I wasn't going to get to Romans, huh? <laughs> The book of Romans is, is my favorite book. I love the book of Romans. 
praise God. They say Romans is, is like, like if the Bible were a ring, a wedding ring, Romans would be the diamond of the part of that wedding ring. It's just a jewel of jewels. I heard somebody say if, if that was the only book that they could have in, in prison or, or on a desert island would, would be the book of Romans. They would want that because it encompasses the whole Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, the risen Christ, the whole nine yards. And it says here in Romans 4.17, this is talking in reference to uh, Abraham, as it is written, a father of many nations have I made you in the presence of him who he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. And in hope against hope he believed, so that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which had been, had been spoken. So shall your descendants be. Without being weak in faith, he this is Abraham. Abraham did not contemplate his own body now as good as dead, since it was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but he grew strong. How did he grow strong? It tells you here how Abraham grew strong. It says he grew strong, giving glory to God. When you're fully persuaded, you're going to be giving glory to God before you even see the manifestation of that promise. By faith, you're going to say, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you've given that to me. I thank you that I have it, and I praise you for it. Praise God. And then it says in verse 21, and being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Fully persuaded. Abraham was fully persuaded. And how did he get to become fully persuaded? Because he heard from God. When Peter stepped out of the boat, do you think he knew he could walk on water? Yeah, he did. Because he was fully, he jumped out, man. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't put his foot down there to see if the water was going to hold him up. He asked the Lord, Lord, can I beg me to come, bid me to come to you? And the Lord said, come. And Peter was fully persuaded. He heard, how does faith come? Faith come by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Okay, I read those five stories to you. Wasn't that wonderful? All right, I want to talk about self-talk. I'm going to mention five things now. One is self-talk. This is in the process of getting to believe God for what he's promised you. Why are you saying to yourself, what was that woman with the issue of blood saying to herself? She said, if I could only touch the hem of his garment, I know I will be well. She was talking to, do you ever talk to yourself? Raise your hand if you ever talk to yourself. <laughs> you ever argue with yourself? You, you, ever, you ever talk yourself out of something? All the time. All the time. You ever come up with a good idea? You ever watch the, you watch the sharks or something? You say, man, I could come up with a better idea than that. And the more you think about it, the more you say, oh, that's, ter that's a terrible idea. That wouldn't work. Because we tend to be negative people by nature. So you've got to be careful. What are you talking about? And the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians uh, 10, 4, and 5, it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculation of every lofty thing that rises up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Why would God tell us to take every... He didn't say take some thoughts captive. He said, I want you to take every... And what did he mean by that? 
scrutinize the thought, meditate on what, what is it you're pondering? What are you thinking about? You know, it says we're to meditate on the word day and night. Why do you think God wants you to meditate on the, the word day and night? The more you meditate on something, the deeper it gets into your heart. And the more you meditate, if, you, if I were to say, close your, close your eyes right now, everybody, in obedience to, to pastor, not me. I don't want you to think of this now, all right? I'm going to tell you something that I don't want you to think of. I don't want you to think of a pink elephant in a tutu suit, okay? Did anybody think of a pink elephant? Did they see a picture of a pink elephant? Well, the one honest lady is here with her. Thank you. Thank you so very much. I appreciate that. But we, that's how we think. We think in pictures. If I were to say, I just bought a ranch home, how many levels does a ranch home have? One. You could envision what a ranch... Oh, I just bought a colonial. Two-story. Okay? Or I bought an apartment house. Well, God only knows what that thing is. You know, it could be uh, 20 stories for that. But we, we see things in our mind's eye. Does not God say, meditate on my word day and night? Why does he want you to meditate so you see pictures of what God wants to do in you and through you. Does not God's word says that we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us? Does it not say in, in Philippians 4, 6 through 8, it says, I want you to think on things, Harry, that are lovely and pure and of a good... Why does... What, what's up with God? He, he's, he, wants, he wants you to protect this thing. Where is the battlefield? Joyce Myers once wrote a book. Well, thank you very much. That lady had that right, man. That's a... That's awesome. That's where the battle takes place. It takes place up here. And the more you ponder and the more you meditate, the, it said, there's a scripture that says in Proverbs 23, 7, it says, as a man thinketh. So look at you guys. You guys are wonderful. Praise God, you know, that you know this stuff. It's so important to know this stuff because that's where the enemy traps us up. Amen? So you have to be careful of your thought life. The next one I want to talk about is... Uh, Mental images. You remember when, when uh, the Israelis went over to, to check out the uh, promised land, they, they sent the 12 spies over, and they came back with a report. They saw, they saw giants, and they said, we were like grasshoppers in their sight. They literally saw themselves weaklings. They envisioned it. They saw it. So what happened as a result of them seeing that? Ten of them saw it. What did it do? They never entered in. They were afraid to go in. And yet God was with them. I mean, Jacob and uh, Caleb, they, they knew that God would be with them. They knew that they could take the land, but they had to wait because of the, those ten clowns. That's the way they saw themselves. But God tells us we got to see ourselves as more than conquerors. Amen? You got to see yourself in Christ. It's no longer you who live, but Christ Jesus now lives in you. Greater is he that is in us that he doesn't. Do you believe that? Man, I believe that. I'm coming to the point where I honestly believe that. Don't anybody sit here. I'm spitting now. I just noticed this. I'm sorry about that. I'm getting excited. Praise God. So a mental image. What, how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself a winner? If you think you can, you can. If you think you can't, you can't. It's all how you see yourself. You're the sum total of what you thought of yourself. You've, you've developed in life what you thought you would develop in life. We basically prophesy over ourselves. The next one is uh, feelings. You know, there used to be a song, feelings. Everybody know that song? Somebody knows that song. But you know what? Feelings, we were told, are neither right nor wrong. They just are. We can't, con we can't control feelings. But you know, you can control feelings because you know what brings feelings on? 
Number one, self-talk, and number two, images that you see. Those guys felt insecure. They felt that they couldn't take the land. They felt inferior feelings. Now, how do you change feelings? You know, it says, is peace a feeling? When you have peace, you, you, just, you just feel good about it. You know, I, I don't know. I, I'm just resting in that. I, I, you know, well, how did that peace come? That's a miracle. And you got to have peace in order to receive from God. If you don't have peace, you're not walking in faith. You're walking in doubt. And what does it say about doubt? You're a double-minded man. And it says, let not that man think that he would receive anything from God. Amen? So where do you get peace from? Who do we serve? The Prince of Peace. Amen? Peace only comes from God. You got to go to God in prayer and say, Lord, I do believe by his stripes I'm healed. I believe that with all my heart and soul. I know it's true. I know you don't lie, God. And I know my heart is right before you because I checked through the Holy Spirit and asked the Holy Spirit, is there anything in my life that would hold back your promises from me? And the Holy Spirit didn't give me anything to repent of. So I must be all right. Because that's the Holy Spirit. Is that not the Holy Spirit's job? To convict you of sin? Well, if he don't convict you of sin, don't be, don't be searching for things that, that are not there. Don't be, don't be bringing up your past, okay? It's under the blood of Jesus. But you know what? You remember the man that came to Jesus and Jesus said, only believe? And the man said, Lord, I do believe. But help my unbelief. That's each and every one of us. That's each, because we're, we're operating with this thing up here. And you always will be. Now, how do you get victory in that? You got to say, Father, I do believe. But help my unbelief. And what do you think God is going to say to you? No, I don't want you to have that. He's going to say, absolutely. And then when you get your, 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 your promise or your need met, who gets the glory for it? You? It's God. Boy, that's perfect timing. I thought, I thought that was past the same. Wrap it up, Harry, or something. You know. Wait a minute, I'm not fair. I got 16 more. No, I'm kidding. I got to... Then you got to confess, okay? Very important. You got to tell yourself what you believe in. Lord, I believe your word. I do believe by his Christ. Then you got to tell a friend. Say, you know what? I'm claiming this verse for myself. God gave me this verse. And I believe it's for me. I know it's for me. Will you pray with me, pray with me that it's mine to have? And then go to the Father and say, God, I confess that your word says by his stripes. have to make that confession. And then the last but not least is you got to act on what it is. Because faith without works is dead. Amen? Actions do not create faith. Rather, it's a result. Amen? It's going to make you do something. If you really believe something, you're going to do it. I tell the story. i got to tell the story. Oh, it's early I always tell this story, and Diane must have heard the story about 18 times, if, if not 19. I, but I can't tell this story anymore because there's no more circus. It's just, I, I call it my circus story. But did, what did they do at Barnum and Bailey Circus? It doesn't exist anymore, so it's outdated, this story. 
But anyway, this couple, they were trying to have a child for years and years and years. And she could never carry full term and she would always miscarriage or, or she, they just couldn't conceive. And finally, after about 19 years, she becomes pregnant. And they are so excited. They go to the doctor, tell the doctor, doctor, she's actually pregnant, she's doing well. The doctor says, you're very fortunate. And if you're smart, this will be the last child. She's going to have a rough time with this child. She says, I want to put you in. You've got, I want you to lie in bed for just about the entire pregnancy to make sure you don't miscarry this child. So she did that. And lo and behold, a, a little beautiful baby boy. Would you want Irving? I got a name of it. <laughs> so they just love this kid to death. Amen. So the kid's about eight years old now, and the uh, parents working, and they, the kid would come home, and they call it a latchkey latch child, you know, he would take care of himself, and, and he would watch TV. Anyway, his mom came home early one day, and, and little Harry goes running up to him and says, Mommy, you'll never believe what I saw on television. What's that, son? She's laughing at him. He's so excited. <laughs> I saw that there was an advertisement for Bonham and Bailey Circus, and it's going to be at Scope just this weekend. It's going to be there Friday, Saturday, Saturday matinee, and then Sunday, and it's gone. It's gone to Madison Square Garden. It's only going to be there this weekend. Mommy, mommy, do you think we could, we could go? Please, mommy, could we go? And the mother says, oh, where's daddy? And the father comes home, and the wife only calls the father. The husband is Harry's asking about going. Set it up, and the father comes down and says, Harry, I hear you got something you want to do. He says, oh, yeah, Daddy. I was telling Mommy that I was watching TV this afternoon, and they had an advertisement for Bonham and Bailey Circus, and it's going to be there this weekend. Do you, Daddy? We're going Saturday. Now, this is a Wednesday. Thursday, he goes into school. Is he a little bit excited? You think he can see all those girls and the, and the clowns and the tightrope walker and the elephants and the giraffes? He can envision the whole thing, right? He was having all kinds of self-talk. Man, I'm going to have a great time. This is going to be He says, we're going to go. I'm going to go with my daddy. My daddy's going to just wallet at me. anything you want. You know, this is going to be great. So the kid goes into school and he's all excited. He says, One little friend came up to me. You ain't going to go to the circus. Do you know how much it costs to go to the circus? I know we couldn't go there. Dad, Dad, are we really going to go? Now, I could belabor this and make it longer. And he goes the next day, same thing happened. And he goes back to the father the second time. And the father says, son, you know, if you keep going back to God and you keep going back to your earthly father and asking the same question over and over again, what are you basically saying? I don't, I, I don't know if I can trust you, Dad. I trust my friend more than I trust you. 
So the father says, come on, son, I want to show you something. He takes him into the back room where there's a computer. And he looks up on the computer, and there it is. It's a printout of his tickets to go Saturday night to Madison Square Garden. And he says, look, son, here's your promise in black and white. What promises do you have in black and white that God has promised you? Amen. It's just yours for the taking. Only believe. Amen. Amen. All things are possible. I don't know how to end this other than to say, Father, I thank you, Lord God. Simple message, but so much truth in it, Lord God. And Lord, Holy Spirit, do your thing now, Holy Spirit. You're the teacher. Man is not the teacher. Woman is not the teacher. You're the teacher. So Holy Spirit, deal with each one of us in, in a special and unique way that we would walk out of here and say, oh, man, thank you, Holy Spirit. I needed to hear that. And I just thank you for that. Lord, for all those that attended this night, Lord God, I just pray for them. I thank you for their hunger and thirst for you, Lord God. And I thank you that you met them tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Well, what a mighty God we serve. Hee-haw! Oh, what a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve.